Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast, brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association and LMC, we're going to talk about growth. Success is built from taking advantage of the opportunities put right before you. And today, we're going to talk with Shane Sewell, president of ProTech Panel and Trust in Bremen, Indiana, who's going to share how he ended up where he is today and how he's positioning his company to thrive in the years ahead. Shane, welcome to the podcast. Sean, thanks for having me. Um, I couldn't believe I got the call that you guys were interested in in interviewing me. I've been a um, longtime fan of the podcast. Listen every time, and every time it it pops up, I listen to it right away. So it's it's a pleasure to be on this side of the microphone with you. Well, believe me, the pleasure's all mine. Shane, let's start by talking a little bit about your journey through the industry. You've you've had a long one. Uh, you've worked with several uh, other entrepreneurs in the industry. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you got in the industry and, and where you've been prior to now? Yeah, um, I'm sure just like everyone in our industry, um, we grew up thinking we want to be in in lumber and trusses. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, I went to Indiana Bloomington for college, um, first majored in a, astronomy and then realized that that's a little more difficult for a smaller brain like mine and switched over to business. And uh, during my college years, my uncle had recruited me. He owned a um, small trust plant called Michiana Trust in Dwajak, Michigan. And he recruited me to to kind of come in and take over his his shop for him as he retired. So I started out on the table building trusses. I remember eight bucks an hour on the line with everyone else, then became a line lead and ran a shift and then became shop supervisor and then a designer, then a sales rep. And so I kind of did every role and really fell in love with the whole process. Mm. And I did that for a few years and then ultimately had a small stint as a home builder for about two years where I realized that um, my skill set and my patience level to, to be, you know, dealing with homeowners in the evenings and open houses on Sundays. It's a whole different level of emotion mm. that uh, I really, I'll just leave that to, to my current customers to deal with. I'd rather deal with <laughs> builders and lumber yards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then I, from there, I decided to get back in the industry and I went to a company named Zelo Lumber up in Michigan. And when I started there, we were one location and around 35 million in business. And then over 12 years, we turned into six locations in, in three regions and around 140 million. Great company to work for, and that really promoted me along the way. Before I left there, I was the VP overseeing all sales and operations and manufacturing and decided to go out into consulting, really networked when I was with Zealand through different roundtables and had some great relationships. And so I consulted with uh, Forward Consulting, Ben Hershey, um, did some really cool projects with him, and also worked with. Randy Brown with LBM Partner Services on the the data side and the data engineering for integrating BizTrack and MyTech and those types of things. So I had a really cool, cool stint there as well. And towards the end of that consulting piece, um, 
I ended up um, hooking up with a customer that ended up hiring me on at ProTech, and that's where I'm at now. So Shane, I mean, the the long story short there is that you have a lot of experience in sort of all the different facets, not only of our industry, but the other parts and pieces that our industry touches. I mean, the fact that you were a home builder for a couple of years provides a pretty unique perspective for today's component manufacturer, right? Be, having lived in the shoes of your customer. Yeah. And that's something that um, until now I really didn't think about as, as being advantageous, but yes, I do, um, <laughs> you know, I kind of look at that as a, as a, as a, you know, kind of a dark spot in my career, because like I said, it, it wasn't nearly as enjoyable, but yeah. it was a bit of a springboard for understanding how to approach and to, and to sell and help home builders. So that, that's, uh, that's definitely helped me along the way from that perspective. Well, and certainly, as you pointed out too, being a consultant to the industry gave you an opportunity to take a critical look at other people's component manufacturing operations, right? You, you went into other people's plants and sort of saw what they were doing, and you were in many ways hired to take a critical eye towards what they were doing and help them improve it, right? So doing that to your own operation comes second nature then after having a job like that, I would imagine. You know, that's a, that's an interesting question. And my answer might be a little different than what you might think. And it's absolutely, I was, I was hired in as a consultant to help their operation and it was fun. And I hope that I added as much value as ultimately I took, but I learned so much more, um, than I thought I could by watching different operations and, you know, taking a couple things from each one to kind of, um, add them into the way I operate my, my business now. So it's, it was just a, a fun time to do that. And, you know, my time before consulting, I thought I had a lot of things figured out until I went to other companies and realized, you know, there's a lot of amazing operating companies to visit and learn from. So I still continue to do that today. I, I try to visit another company at least once a quarter, um, just to kind of see what everyone else is doing as well. Well, that's a good point. I mean, the, the one of the big I think advantages of those who sort of get engaged with uh, other component manufacturers across the country is that while all of you guys are sort of making the same thing at the end of the day, right? Putting wood together with connector plates and and selling them to, to builders, the way in which you go about doing that just varies so drastically. And so it's easy to get stuck in that box of like, well, this is how I think I'm going to solve my problem based on my own personal experiences in my market. What you're saying is you gain a lot by having, one, been a consultant and gone into a bunch of trust plants, but you're still continuing to do, the, do that even as a component manufacturer today. Yeah. Like I said, the biggest fear that I have is not knowing what I don't know. So um, that was something that when I uh, went into consulting, my mind just opened way up. You know, Before I was like, there's a certain way to do things, there's a certain way to do it. And then when I started seeing these other companies that were doing things much better than what I thought in certain areas, it really kind of destructed what I thought was the way to run businesses and, and really had more of an open learning mind. And um, getting back into operating, I don't ever want to lose that. So just really making great connections with, with other regional and nationwide component manufacturers so I can visit them, they can come visit us. And we kind of stay in touch and just, you know, hey, I can shoot an email off to multiple people that I visit and say, hey, how do you deal with this? And then they do the same with me. And it's, it's like built-in free consulting with the network that you create if you're open-minded to it. 
Ah, free consulting. Ben would be upset if he heard you say that. Yeah, oh yeah, he would. <laughs> okay, so uh, you were a consultant. You ended up with a client, as you said, that was looking to sell because, well, they weren't making the money they were expecting. They gave you an offer to take over ownership. What did you see in that moment, in, in that market, in what ProTech had before it that made you want to take that offer? Yeah, I mean, first, when I was consulting, I enjoyed it, like I said. But what I really found out during that time is that I'm an operator by nature. I like to to build things, you know, work through issues, have relationships with with team members, grow people. So that opportunity I was already starting to to think about. And then ironically, ProTech was a company that was, you know, within 20 minutes of my house. And when I consulted, you know, I flew every week to different areas. I was away from my family and never once did I drive to one of my um, customers. So Finally, I just reached out to them. I was like, hey, are you interested in any consulting? You know, I'm right up here 20 minutes. You won't have to pay travel costs or anything. And it just so happens they did. And right away I started consulting and, you know, they were just a great ownership team that didn't know a lot about components and had fantastic operations with uh, brand new MyTech tables, blade saw, wall panel line, floor truss line, like all of the, uh, the, the great tools that, that you would want. But without understanding really how to sell, how to operate, you know, they only had maybe five employees when I, when I started consulting and then they made an offer and offered some, some ownership and some stake on my, to, to me that would allow me to, you know, also share in the growth and the, the, you know, the profit created. And to me, it was a little bit of a no brainer to be able to drive to work every day, operate, uh, start with something from scratch. And then a lot of the ideas, I don't have to change an existing culture, I can create a new one, which is much easier than trying to change, you know, the company that's stuck in their ways. So you take over leadership of this organization. As you've pointed out, you had uh, a lot of uh, exposure to how lots of different component manufacturers did things. You certainly had your own experience of how uh, you did things, but you definitely went in with sort of a growth mentality, right? Uh, as you said, you had all the tools you needed to sort of have a good go of it. What would you, where, where would you say right now you are in sort of your overall implementation of the plan that you sort of had in your mind when you took over? Like, what, what are you guys selling right now? What are you doing? Right from the beginning, I had a pretty aggressive three, you know, three-step plan because, you know, with the amazing table and four trust line, wall panels, blade, you know, we had a couple million dollars of break-even costs to cover. So we had to run pretty quickly. So one of the first things I did is, you know, obviously created a budget that allowed for, for us to go get top talent right away. I didn't want to sell and produce and then try to create margin dollars to then come back and build the operation after the fact, because I believe that's, that's a way to ultimately put a lot of pre stress on your customers and your team. So I went out and, and created a leadership team right from the get-go, and I found a couple of amazing young, talented people that ironically did not have leadership in their past, but I knew that they had a heart for the customer and a heart for the process and a heart for growth and painted the picture of where we wanted to go and said, you know, do you trust in this? Do you want to jump on and, and let's go? And I was able to, to create that team. And, you know, out of that was just sell, sell, sell at that point and, and kind of backfill with production team and training. And it's just been 
quite a bit of a whirlwind because that was just over two years ago. You know, there's been a lot of growth since then. So that, that initial stage of hiring great people, um, getting, uh, the sales moving and then creating a business process behind. So we run, um, a business process called EOS entrepreneurial operating system that allows us to scale quickly as weekly meetings, um, a leadership type structure, lots of, um, rocks and to do's and allows you to, to execute very efficiently. So I have that all in place now and the sales have come and we've exceeded all of our, our sales goals in year, in year two, and really ready to jump into that next phase of becoming more efficient and just dialing in all the processes that we quickly created at the very beginning. Shane, you said something interesting, uh, that I I just want to dwell on for a second. So when you took over, you pointed out, you know, that one of the first things you did was to build your leadership team. And I'm just sort of curious. I mean, what did you experience in the past that led you to like, that's, that's the first thing I need to do. I need to make sure I have that right. If we're going to be successful, as you said, and not putting a lot of pressure on your, your, the rest of your production teams and, and your, your customers. That's a very astute question. And some, some color behind that would be, I've seen numerous operations where they've, they've experienced a tremendous amount of growth primarily because they had a great executor and then the executor would then try to fill up behind them when they got to a certain stage where they could not handle anymore. Mm -hmm. And those types of companies end up having, you know, the, the curve where it starts off, everything's fresh, it booms, and then it comes back down and then starts to flatten out. I found that if you want to grow, you have to put the, the operating cart ahead of the horse, which means less profit now, but a better growth period as you go and longer term, better valuation and profit and growth. So I don't really want our team to be short. We don't want to be shorthanded. We'd also don't want our level of leadership to fall below our sales. Mm. It's my job to keep a tight eye on that and make sure that customers' experiences are fantastic. Team members aren't feeling stressed and continuously and pouring into uh, the leadership team and the managers. We also have a a full-time coach that we hire that meets with our team bi-weekly and um, just helps them with their leadership development path. And I see them as well. And being 15 million in sales now, we need to be three times better to be 45 million. So we have to get better or the law of the lid will, will come into play and we won't grow anymore. Shane, I like what you said. I mean, really the point of this is that uh, in order to be successful, you need to make sure that you don't take on more than you know you can at any given moment, but that you're constantly adjusting things and preparing for future growth. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, my job is to see 90 days ahead and then one year ahead. So I'm always looking in front of us and, you know, evaluating our team and the performance and not for the performance we need today, but for the performance we need in 90 days and 12 months. And then looking at our, our, our operation as well and saying, what's our bottleneck? And is that bottleneck going to be a machinery or a uh, shipping diameter? type situation and looking at next locations and that sort of thing. Cause machinery lead time is 12 to 24 months. So if we want to do something in 12 to 24 months, <laughs> I need to know about it six months ago so I can make a business plan. So those are things that, uh, it's my job at this company to kind of see further in, in the future 
but also have excellent operators that run the day-to-day and do it well along the same core value structure that we have. I think there's a lot more to talk about here, Shane, but let's end this episode with just um, give everybody a sense for what your goals are. You just mentioned sort of looking six months back from an equipment need standpoint, which everybody, I think, kind of chuckles along with that comment, maybe with a little bit of chagrin, just because that's how difficult it is to you can't just flip on the switch to to add more capacity, but you threw around 15 and 45 million. What are your goals? You don't necessarily have to put a dollar amount to it, but like, are you looking at, you want to be five times larger in five years? Uh, like, like what are your, what are your growth goals there? You know, the dollars kind of come alongside as, as one of the measuring points, but our goal is not, like you said, is not a dollar amount as much as it is just really developing great leaders in our industry that know how to do the right thing and look forward and catapult us into the future. We, we want to be very technology-based. We want to be on the cutting edge of what's available. Also in machinery, you know, robotics, we want to be on the front edge of that, which is, that, which is happening right now. We want to be part of changing the way our industry builds homes and projects. You know, we're, our industry is one of the very few that is actually less productive than it was 50 years ago. And we want to be part of that solution to, to build better homes more efficiently and easier and growing people within the industry that have that mindset is really our, our main goal. And then sales will happen and sales dollars and success will happen after that. We believe Shane, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate the, the opportunity, Sean. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. I'd like to thank LMC for connecting Shane and I for this podcast. And on our next episode, Shane and I are going to talk more about how ProTech has had success growing a market for wall panels and floor panels. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.